right, you may be seated. You may be seated. Some of y'all are laughing. I don't know if that means they didn't look good or they did. Oh, well, we'll let you uh, handle that. A um, couple of things. A couple of things. We are in our series called The Games We Play. And uh, we've told you about some stuff that's going on. We're going to play perfection here in just a little bit. And uh, you'll get an opportunity to, to either volunteer if you want to be a volunteer or cheer for, your, for a team. You'll have to pick a choice. Um, I'll, I, actually, I'll help you choose who you're going to, to cheer for. And the winning team, we have ice down drinks at the back. We have Coke. We have Dr. Pepper. We have all kinds of different juice products. So this is a big deal. If your team wins today, you get to have some refreshment during church. Um, we are... Next week is taboo, and it's uh, some, some things that are hard for us to say. And then in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a big old Connect Four tournament, cash prizes. And we've told you a little bit about this. If you're going to come one time this whole month, if you're going to bring somebody, bring them to Connect Four. Um, we'll show you a little bit about that. We are going to have a special appearance by um, by the Connect Four group. Each week we'll give you a little bit. It'll clear up just a little bit until on uh, the 27th, I think that is. Yes. On the 27th, we'll have our New Life Community Church premiere music video presentation, and you're not going to want to miss that. Um, you'll be talking about that for years to come. Whether it's good or bad, you'll be talking about it for years to come. Now, we... Uh, we're talking today about perfection, and we're talking about how um, many times we expect other people to be perfect where we don't expect ourselves to be perfect. So we hold other people to a different standard than we hold ourselves. We're going to show you a clip from the movie As Good As It Gets. Anybody seen that movie? Helen Hunt, Jack Nicholson. The problem is Jack Nicholson is jacked up in this movie, and uh, that's, that's an understatement. Watch just this intro. This kind of gives you an idea of what he's like. Would you say this guy's a little off? Yes, he is. Now, you and I are tempted to live under the illusion that somewhere out there are people who are normal. The truth is, none of us is normal. Now, if you are looking for the perfect church, if you're looking for the perfect friends, if you're looking for the perfect spouse, the perfect house, the perfect home, the perfect children, then you're going to be disappointed. Because in this movie, as good as it gets, um, Helen Hunt is torn between two opinions about this guy. 
One minute she can't stand him because he's just nuts. I mean, you watch him, he can't step on the cracks in the sidewalk. He takes his own plasticware to the restaurant where she's a waitress because he can't trust anyone else to, to uh, you know, clean their, their silverware to his satisfaction. So he's just crazy. He's, he's, he's out of control. One minute she's thinking he's nuts. The next minute her heart beats a little bit faster towards him and she, she just can't figure it out. Because, see, he's very kind and generous to her and her sick son and, and he helps them out a bunch and, and that endears him to her. But to other people, you know, he's kind of, kind of a, a jerk. And so, I mean, you think about the problems that he has. He has a fear of open spaces. He has a fear of germs. He has a fear of changing his routine. He's obsessive compulsive and he's incredibly offensive to every human being except Helen Hunt and, and her son. If rudeness were measured in square miles, this guy would be the state of Texas for his rudeness. Now, what is a woman to do? In such a situation, a few weeks I told a few weeks ago we talked about the as-is section of the uh, department store, where you go and if you buy something from the as-is um, section, you are forewarned. There are no refunds, no exchanges. You've been warned up front. There's a problem. You will find it. We won't tell you where it is, but you've got to find it. Now, um, the problem is nobody's perfect. All right, I want you to say that first. You got to get that down today. Nobody's perfect. Say that. Now turn to somebody and say, nobody's perfect. Turn to somebody else and say, nobody's perfect. The painful part of life. Y'all are laughing again. The painful part of life is not the realization that no one else is perfect. The painful part of life is when I realize that I'm not perfect and I am in the as is section of the department store. Throughout history, human beings have resisted this label, this as-is label. Um, we try to separate the world into normal, healthy people. What that really means is people like us and difficult people. That's everybody else. And here's an actual headline as it appeared on one of those little magazines, you know, that sits up at the, uh, at the front by the, by the checkout counter. Here's the headline. Totally normal women who stalk their ex-boyfriends. <laughs> What strikes you as odd about this phrase? (laughs) Okay, guys are getting evil already. They're saying totally normal women. Well, actually, that's what I was going for. Totally normal women. But uh, you could also say a totally normal man. What would one of those look like? And if the obsessive stalking of a past lover is not just normal, but totally normal... How far would you have to go to be a little bit strange? You know, we all want to look normal to think of ourselves as normal. But the writers in Scripture insist that none of us are normal. None of us are perfect. We're told in the Bible, all we like sheep have gone astray. We're told that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if none of us is even good, is what the Bible says, let alone normal or perfect, then maybe we better quit trying to change other people. And start accepting them. Maybe that's what our church should start doing is loving people just right where they are. Because according to the Bible, behavior modification is not my job. Behavior. I'm not supposed to get up here and try to beat you over the Bible, over the head with the Bible and say, you got to do this, 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 or you're not welcome in our country club. What the Bible says is I'm supposed to love you. It's God's job to change you. I want you to think about that as we continue to worship today. All right.
where are our four volunteers today? I need four volunteers. I see one hand. Drew, right there. Caleb, right here. And that doesn't count for a dollar, man. You raised your hand on that one. All right. Come on, Kimberly. All right. Come on, J.D. Come on, J.D. All right. Now, you two cannot be on the same team. I don't want All right. You're going to be on Caleb's team. J.D., you go over there with Drew. All right. Now, y'all, you two are on this side. Here's, here's the way this is going to go. Now, one of this team is going to actually be the person who tries to put all of the things in there. Any of y'all ever played Perfection? The idea is you've got about 60 seconds, and you've got to put all of these different shapes in the corresponding hole in 60 seconds. Uh, and, but we're going to add a little condition to this game. One of the people is going to put it in. The other person is going to go over and try to distract the person on the other team who's trying to put the ones in the right place. All right. You see how this is going to go? All right. Now, here's what y'all. I don't care who y'all decide who's going to do the perfection, who's going to be the distractor. You need a loud mouth to be the distractor. Let me just say that. Okay. so wait, wait, wait. Here we go. All right. Let's start right here. Josh over this way. So that would be Kim. That would be uh, Bruce. And who's at the back? Alexis. Okay. All of y'all on that side, you are cheering for this team right here. All right, so let's practice. Ready? Go. Yeah! All right. Everybody over here, you're cheering for the team over there. Let's practice. Ready? Now, by the way, if you were here last week when, when we played, what did we play last week? Hungry, Hungry Hippo. It kind of totally messed up the children's area downstairs because they're used to us doing our music and then it gets quiet and they can teach their lesson. They said during Hungry Hippo, they thought the whole building was coming down because y'all were, were cheering and yelling. So, so if your children are scared when you pick them up today, it's our fault. Okay. All right. You ready? You see what's going to happen? There is no touching. You can't slap. You can't touch. You can't spit. Well, I won't, I won't get you if you spit. But, you know, if it's accidental spitting is okay, intentional spitting is bad. You will be... All right, what we're going to do now, we're going to play a best two out of three. So, if you get finished, great. If, if you don't, then whoever has the most pieces in the right place, that team wins. All right, you're going to cheer for your team. The winning team, we have ice down drinks at the back. The winning side, you get your pick of, of uh, Dr. Pepper Coke or some juice product. All right, are you ready? All right, we got the timer done. Timer's ready. You got to twist the timer, right? Yeah, it's all twisted. It's twisted. All right. Yeah. Y'all, so y'all push start on when I say ready. Get ready, Caleb. Set. Go. Stop where you are. Stop where you are. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, let's see. How many, count how many he's got there, Kimberly? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Don't move them, I can't. Two, four, six, eight, nine. All right, the winner is Caleb Walker and Kimberly.
I have to say, we had to make a rule modification in the middle of that because Kimberly made it where he couldn't even see the board. So, wait, wait, wait. This is two out of three. All right, twist it up, twist it up. Y'all got to help now. This side needs some help. JD needs some help. Yeah, let's do that. Let's switch now. The other, I, although I think Kimberly and Drew are the best distractors I've ever seen. All right, so JD, you're going to distract over here. Caleb, you're going to distract over there. Remember, hey, just remember what Drew did to you and get after it. All right, are you ready? Set, go. Y'all better help Drew, because Kimberly's killing him. All right, stop, stop, stop. This is the ten-run rule mercy killing here. Because we don't even have to count. This side wins. Would you all take the uh, drinks? We got a couple of drink dispensers back there, and uh, you get to. <laughs> JD's not bitter or anything um, about that. Which is often how we are in life. So we uh, we actually need some some uh, drink dispensing music, some church drink dispensing music, not not some. Uh, this isn't a bar or anything like that. You should have had the band come up and play another song. Now, let me ask you a couple of questions. Yeah. The winning team gets drinks, including the people who you're on that, that side. Now, let me ask you a question. And those of you who are bitter, y'all can play since they're getting drinks. Did the conditions of the game make it possible or favorable to be perfect? The conditions of the game where we had yellers and screamers and y'all were yelling and, you know, there's a cheater. Uh, he's still bitter, <laughs> but he but he's on that side. OK, now, listen. Yeah, Casey's on the wrong side and he's stealing a drink. That'll cost him today. As long as you hold it in your right hand, which was around Alexis. Okay, I'm with you. I'm not even going to try to go on until we get rid of this stuff. Hey, at this point, just throw them whatever you reach. Just give them whatever the first thing you pull out. Because we want to go to the lake today, right? Yeah. All right. Now, just like, here we go, just like we made it difficult in the game for the conditions to, to be perfect, the conditions of life make it impossible for us to be perfect. Do you agree? Because we are not perfect, 
And we come into this world with a predisposition to sin. One of my favorite preachers is John Ortberg. I want you to listen to what he says. Every one of us, all we like sheep, have habits we can't control, past deeds we can't undo, flaws we can't correct. In the way that glass is predisposed to shatter and nitroglycerin is predisposed to explode, we are predisposed to do wrong when conditions are right. That predisposition is what theologians call depravity. That's a big word. That's the word of the day. Say that, depravity. Now, we lie and we sacrifice our integrity for the sake of a few dollars. Let me give you an example. Oh, I don't understand, officer. My speedometer must be broken. That's just a flat out lie. We gossip. We gossip for just a few moments of feeling superior to someone else. We, um, we seek to intimidate our employees or our children just, you know, to gain control or maybe simply to enjoy the feeling of power over someone else. Everybody's weird. <laughs> and because we know in our hearts, <laughs> Dwayne's back there going, yeah, I'm weird and I'm proud of it. <laughs> Every one of us pretends to be healthier than we are because we know that this condition we're in isn't the way it's supposed to be. So we pretend to be healthier than we are and we pretend to be kinder than we really are. And we engage in what we might call depravity management. Now, here's the rub. How do you pursue the dream of being close to other people? Real friendship. We call it community around here. How do you pursue the dream of true community with actual real life people? Weird, not normal, as is dysfunctional people. Your friends, your colleagues, your spouse, your children, your parents, your small group, your church, your co-workers. Can it really happen to have this deep friendship with weird folks? Well, to, to get the answer to that, let's consider the North American porcupine. He's a member of the rodent family that has around 30,000 quills attached to his body. Each quill can be driven into an enemy and the enemy's body heat will actually cause this microscopic barb to expand and become more firmly embedded in the wound. Now, wounds untreated can fester. The more dangerous untreated wounds that might be near a, um, a vital organ can actually cause death. As a general rule, porcupines have two methods of dealing with relationships. Withdrawal. Or attack. So what that means is they either head for a tree or they stick out their quills. But porcupines don't always want to be alone. Now, love turns out to be a risky business when you're a porcupine. If you don't want to be alone. His dilemma is this. How do you get close without getting hurt? And that's our dilemma, too. How do you get close to people? Non-perfect people without getting hurt. Everyone carries around, every one of us carries around our own little arsenal of quills. Our barbs, though, have names such as rejection, condemnation, resentment, arrogance, selfishness, envy, contempt. Some of us hide those barbs better than others, but they're all there. Get close enough and you'll find them. They burrow under the skin of our enemies. They can wound and they can fester. And some of you have wounds that have almost killed you from the past. Now... We, too, learn to survive by either withdrawing, running away, or attacking. And we, too, find ourselves hurting and being hurt by those we long to be closest to. But we still want to be close. So we meet neighbors, we go on dates, join churches, form friendships, get married, and have children. 
We try to figure out how to get close without getting hurt. And we wonder if there isn't a softer, less barbed creature out there, you know, maybe a mink or an otter or something like that. But of course, we find out that um, there's a number of particularly prickly porcupines in our world. And here's, here's the real problem. I'm somebody's porcupine. And so are you. So we've got to learn to get along. We've got to make some choices about how we're going to get along with one another. So the choices that we've got to make is we've got to choose whether we're going to hold everybody else to a higher standard. Because you think about it. You expect other people to do things better than you do them yourself. You expect other people to be kinder than you are yourself. You, ex- you expect other people's words to be softer than your words are. But if we're going to get close, we've got to hold ourselves to the same expectation. Or maybe we should just lower that expectation. Now, if you hold people to a higher standard than you, than you hold yourself to, here's where it will go. If we were to do an age progression, excuse me, age progression type picture of what someone would look like that practices this, this um, uh, higher standard for everyone else than they have for themselves, they would end up looking critical of everything. Can't please them. Impatient, unapproachable, unforgiving, stressed out, unwilling to celebrate successes. You know anybody like that? Me too. You want to hang out with anybody like that? Me either. That's no fun. So let's start spreading grace, kindness, instead of criticism. After all, as one man said, the closest anyone ever came to perfection was on their job application. So let's spread some grace. John 13, 35, Jesus says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus was asked, what's the biggest, best test of whether somebody is a follower of God? And he said, real easy. Two things. Love God, love people. Buildings didn't impress Jesus. Relationships did. Programs don't impress Jesus. Relationships do. What really impresses him is our love for each other. And he says the world, those people outside the church will know that you are followers of God. By this extraordinary love you have for each other, a grace dispensing love. Well, if we're going to have that type of love and we're going to have the type of relationships that we really want, all of us, nobody's looking for a friendly church. People are looking for friends. Do you know the difference? Friendly church, you can be friendly and just be surface. Kind of like hydroplaning over relationships. To hydroplane, you just need about an inch depth of water. Personally, I don't want those types of relationships. I don't have time for shallow relationships. I want deep relationships. Well, if you do too, then there's three choices you got to make. This is on your listening guide. The first relational choice is when I choose to walk alone or I choose to be with others. So I choose to walk alone or I choose to be with others. Now, I can pretend to be perfect. And where does that leave me? Alone. (laughs) I choose to isolate myself or I choose to be connected. And this is vital because many of us are walking down a path that is leading us further and further away from the relationships we really desire. And we look up one day and we are truly alone because we've not chosen to connect with other people. Now, you may have a legitimate reason. It may be that you have suffered so much pain in your past that you're just thinking, I am not going to let anyone near me close enough to do that again. 
It may be that you're just too busy. You're, you're busy building this and making this money and making this investment and doing this. And you just flat don't have time for relationships. It may be that you just are inconvenienced by relationships. And, and what I really call that is selfishness. <laughs> you're just too selfish to have relationships. We find ourselves more and more, no matter what the reason, we find ourselves isolated. Back, you know, in the day, people sat on their front porch and talked to the neighbors. Do you even know your neighbors? I recognize them. I wave at them. But from here to the back of the building is usually as close as I get to most of my neighbors. Because we don't choose to do that. The danger is that we find ourselves all alone and very vulnerable. And the Bible has something to say about that. The old saying really is true. There is strength in numbers. Look what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. There are uh, three or even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Study after study tells us that people that take the time to develop relationships are happier people. They're more productive at work. They're more successful. They're healthier and they even live longer. (laughs) If you don't take the time to develop relationships, who's going to be there when you go through tough times in life? And if you're not in a tough time, you will be. It's going to happen. Well, the first step in deciding that I'm going to, to, to hang out with people and have deeper relationships The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10.25, it says it here. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are uh, are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another. Circle those words, habit of meeting together. Here it is. First step. You've got to develop a habit of meeting with other people. Janie ran into one of our friends that we hadn't seen in a couple of years. I'd seen the husband a year and a half ago. She hadn't seen him in, in two years. And she ran into this friend twice at Walmart. And so the friend said, hey, why don't y'all come over and bring the kids swimming and let's have a fish fry. And when we got there, we didn't realize until we got there, it had been two years since they'd seen our children. They're like, these aren't your kids. You know, they've shot up. And we realized these people years ago were in our small group. Back before we started this church, they were in a small group of people that met at our home. And we hung out with them all the time. And I miss them. Because we've just chosen to go different directions. And now we're not connected. And it was real fun. It was fun to hang out and be like, we've got to do this again. But you know what? If we don't plan to do it, it'll be two years before we see them again. We've got to get out the calendar and do it. If you're going to make relationships work, it's going to take some risks. Even going up to somebody, and here's where we've got to get as a church. I, I long for the time when somebody new comes in and, and somebody else just walks across the room and shakes hands with them. And says, hey, what are you doing for lunch today? That takes risk, doesn't it? Because they might say no. Going to somebody's home for a small group. You might ask, hey, why don't you come over to my small group? They might say no. God forbid that somebody should tell us no. Keep asking. Eventually, they'll say yes just to get you off their back. That's what I want us to be like. And when you go to a small group, I mean, here's the deal. Everybody there, this is what you'll find. I love our small group. Everybody you'll find has the same fears as you. They have the same struggles as you. And you find out that that abnormal is really fairly normal. If you got problems, hey, everybody's got problems. And that makes it just a little bit easier to go through life. Second choice you're going to have to make, relational choice that we all face is when I choose to pretend or be real. I choose to pretend or be real. 
Jesus had a word for people who pretended. It was the religious people of his day. Jesus hung out with the riffraff of society and he got the label friend of sinners. And instead of being put off by that label, he wore it like a badge of honor. He's like friend of sinners. Yeah, that's what I want to be. We've built this church to be a friend of sinners. We don't want to be religious. We want to have relationships with Christ and with each other. We built this church to be a church for people who don't like church. Jesus had a word for people who pretended. You know what it was? Hypocrites. Let's look what he said to him in Matthew 23, 27. How terrible it will be for you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees. Hypocrites. There it is. You are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. He looked at him. He said, you know, you look really good on the outside, but you stink on the inside. Dead stuff is there. Foul, stench smelling stuff. And the reason is not because they were sinners. He wasn't condemning them because they're sinners. He was condemning them because they weren't real. They didn't admit that they were like whitewashed tombs. A tomb is still full of dead stuff. And he said, just be real. And I think that's why I hung out with the drunkards and the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the people that just couldn't couldn't raise themselves up to the highest points of society. He hung out with them, I think, because they were real. And one of the greatest compliments you can ever pay about a church is the church is real. People are real. That's what I want us to be. Do you have any idea how much energy it takes to pretend to keep up an image? Have you ever watched somebody that does that? They lay their head on their pillow at night exhausted. Because it's so much work for me to keep this image that impresses you instead of just taking off the mask and saying, you know, I'm a screw up. But I found that I get more friends when I admit my screw ups. It's a weird thing to me. The more I admit my screw ups, the more people cover me with grace. And the more I try to pretend, the more people try to hold me to a standard I don't even want to be held to. Wouldn't it be great if we got to the point where we're not pretending, where we didn't have to expend all that energy? And some of you are thinking, well, I don't pretend. Okay, let's just truth tell. How many of you ladies wouldn't dare go to Walmart without putting on makeup and fixing your hair? Let me see. Now, how many of you ladies just lied to me because you didn't admit that? I'm kidding. Because I know some of you, man, you're like, because what happens if the phone rings and somebody wants to come by your house? What's the first thing that happens, ladies? Start cleaning the house. Because how many of you would freak out if we were right after this service to say, we're coming to your house because you wouldn't have time to clean. Let me see your hand. My, I gave my wife a book several years ago called the... the uh, Sink reflections, and it's about how much better it, your life would be if your sink is clean, you know, that type of deal. And I asked her if she wanted it before I ever gave it to her. It wasn't like a suggestion, you know. Um, <laughs> but there's a something, there's a, there's a syndrome in there called chaos syndrome. Chaos stands for can't have anyone over syndrome because your house is too messed up. And Janie will tell me, she's like, I got chaos. Don't, don't even think about having a meeting at the house today. Now, let's uh, let's not let the men off the hook. Men, how many times have you been telling a story about confronting someone? 
when if somebody else was there as a witness, they'd go, you didn't say it that way because you tried to be tough. I told him what was up because I'm just. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, JD. I appreciate that. Sometimes I'm in the middle of a story and I think, where did that come from? I'm lying. All because I want you to think I'm tougher than I am. I mean, the Holy Spirit just smacks me and says, lying sucker. And I've actually, one time I did this with the group of ministers and I told the story and man, God just messed me up. And the next day, I had to go into each of their offices, and I said, and it hurts, golly. You're supposed to be spiritual anyway, and we're not. And, uh, and I have to go in, and I said, man, I lied to you yesterday. And they're like, what? And I told them, and they went, you came to confess that? I said, yeah, man, because God was messing me up about it. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to try to pretend and do stuff like that? Wouldn't it be great? Well, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask this. How many of you have ever gone to church and worried more about what other people thought about you than what God thinks about you? How many of you have ever tried to be religious? And by religious, I mean you try to do this, this right thing and this right thing and this right thing and this right thing simply because you thought if you did, God might be nicer to you. <laughs> Heard somebody say, <gasps> Yeah. So we've got to become real. And, you know, if you're looking for a perfect church, this isn't it. I just told you I lie when I tell stories. So I'm not the perfect pastor. The band isn't perfect. I know them. (laughs) The the sound engineer, the video, I know them. Jeff is telling me to quit. Oh, Jeff is confessing back there. If you're looking for a perfect place, this is not it. But if you're looking for a bunch of screw-ups who love Jesus and want to learn about Him, this is your place. There's a slogan for you. We need to put that on TV. (laughs) You want a place with screw-ups? Come to New Life Community Church. Romans 12.9 says, Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. The best place to start loving people is in a small group. Because we can worship in a crowd. We can have a good time. The music is good. We can clap. We can cheer. We can laugh a little bit at the stupid pastor. But you're not fellowshipping in here. Let me tell you where fellowship is going to happen today. We're going out to the lake. Get in a boat with somebody and hang out with them for an hour. You will fellowship whether you want to or not. You'll learn stuff about them. Their, their ability to ski, tube, whatever. Their, uh, their personality will come out. If you hang out with them around the picnic tables today, fellowship will happen. You can fellowship in a small group, but you can't um, you can worship in a crowd, but you can't fellowship in a crowd. You fellowship in a small group and you can't I say you can't worship in a small. Yes, you can. Where you're really going to connect with people is in a small group. All right. There's a third relational choice and we're done. I choose the shortcut or the long road. Or you can just say, I choose the easy way or the hard way. Are relationships easy? No. If you think they're easy, next time you have a conflict with somebody and you see their phone number and their name on caller ID, 
Just check your heart rate. If you're hurt by them or ticked off at them, just pick up the phone and go, you just check it and you realize that relationships aren't easy. Or have somebody show up at your door that you have conflict with. Or see them in Walmart. You're walking down the aisle and you see them before they see you. If you turn that basket around and run around the corner, that's the easy road. Y'all are laughing because you've done it. You've probably done it to me. There's no... Don't want to talk to that sucker. Might be in a sermon. Relationships don't work out the way you want them to, so it takes work. And so we got to choose. Am I going to go the long road or the short road? Am I going to take the easy way or the hard way? But here's the deal. Conflict is like a wall that we have to walk through. Most relationships come up to conflict and they die right there because we never deal with the conflict. But let me tell you, Jane and I had a weekend about three or four years ago. Actually, I don't remember if we started the church or not. And we call it um, the pit of despair. If you've ever seen The Princess Bride, the pit of despair. We call it our weekend of despair because some stuff that we'd been holding back from each other, we finally sat down and talked about. Oh, that weekend stinks in my mind. I mean, you could even smell the tension in our house. And for like two days, we didn't even like looking at each other because we had to tell each other the truth. But when we got to Monday and I went to her and I said, I need to ask your forgiveness because I'm a jerk. And she said, I desperately want you to trust me just as I am. I said, that's what I want too. Holy mackerel, our relationship went to a new level. And we laugh about it now, but we didn't laugh about it at the time. Once you walk through the door of conflict, you get to the relational thing called feelings and needs. I would be willing to bet 90 Five to 99% of your relationships, you've never gotten to the point of feelings and needs because there's conflict that you have not resolved. You will never get to feelings and needs until you resolve that conflict, until you talk about it openly. And you'll take your relationship to another level. But that's, that's tough. That's work. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Jason mentioned this a few weeks ago when he preached. By the way, um, Stanley and Jason preached, and I thought they did an awesome job. Um, we, we need more of that. Jason referenced this verse, and, and I thought it fit well with what we're talking about here. 1 Corinthians thirteen seven: Love never what? Gives up. So, you get to this crossroad, and you've got to decide, which way am I going? There's a fork in the road, and, and I can't take it. <laughs> got to choose one or the other. And you've got to choose the easy road or the hard road. And I'm telling you, there are times that I've had to go to people several times, and I didn't like it, and it seemed like it... Caused my hair to fall out. That's what I blame it on anyway. (laughs) And I just didn't want to do it. But when I did it, because God says to do it, God knows what he's talking about. Every time I try what the Bible says, it works. I'm like, God, you're smart. When I try it, it works. So I think some of you today, you're at a crossroads and you've got to decide right here, right now. I am not giving up on this relationship. There's some of you that have got to do that with a with a spouse. I am not giving up. Some of you need to do that with a child. Some of you need to do that with some relationship. You say, no, I am not going to run away. I'm not going to be the porcupine that runs away and hides. I'm going to work at this because I know that God wants me to do that. 
I'm going to take the long road even if it hurts. Well, there's one more video clip I wanted you to see from As Good As It Gets. Kind of towards the end of the movie. He's going to her because this has been increasingly difficult. That's right, go ahead. So, watch this. This is the, the towards the end. What do you want, Melvin? I'm sorry I woke you up. I wasn't asleep. What a break. Is it a secret what you're doing here? I had to see you. Because? relaxes me I'd feel better sitting outside your apartment on the curb than any other place I can think of or imagine no 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 no. that's that's overstating I'd rather be sitting inside on the steps because I don't want to get my feet in the gutter what would that serve? Stop it! Why can't I just have a normal boyfriend? Why? Just a regular boyfriend who doesn't go nuts on me. Everybody I... wants that, dear. It doesn't exist. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Boyfriend. Come on in and try not to ruin everything by being you. Maybe we could live without the wisecracks. Maybe we could. All right, so they made progress. They just had nothing but conflict the whole movie. And dude, he, great line. I mean, all you ladies like, oh, when he said that, no, 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 that's overstating it just a bit. Shut up. You were in good, man, and then you blew it by talking some more. All right, I want you to look around you today. Don't point fingers. And I want you to see that everyone around you is in the as-is section of the department store. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's even normal. (laughs) Now, if you want friends, real friends, you're going to have to accept the fact that none of us is perfect. 
But I would, I would leave you hanging if I didn't tell you about the one who is perfect. There was one who walked this earth who desperately desires to have a relationship with you, and his name was Jesus Christ. And I think it's really interesting that the only perfect person who ever lived, the riffraff of society was drawn to him. The only people Jesus ever condemned were religious people who were pretending. He never condemned real people who admitted that they were screw-ups. And you know, I, I want our church to look like that. Jesus' followers were a who's who of strange ducks. Ugly ducklings, but Jesus loved them. And to be perfectly honest with you, Jesus loved them right where they were. But He loved them too much to leave them where they were. He began to have this relationship with them. And as He walked with them and talked with them and challenged them on times, lifted them up and encouraged them at other times, and flat out got in their faces at other times, He began to mold them and to shape them to look more like Himself. Which is the goal. I mean, we exist as a church to reach people who are far from God, help them connect with God and with other people. When we do that, we begin to look more like Jesus Christ. So here's what Jesus' message is to you. Revelation 3.20 Look, here I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling and open the door, I will come in and will share a meal as friends. Jesus is saying, I want a relationship with you. I want something to be real. I'm knocking. All you got to do is open up the door and invite me in because he's such a gentleman. He will not force himself into your life. He waits until you say, I want you come in and he comes in and he will transform your life. But I know some of you are already thinking, well, my life is messy. I don't want Jesus to see that newsflash. He already knows. And he wants a relationship with you anyway. So, don't you think it's time that you quit pretending with God and open up that door and say, come on in. Now, how you do that, it's real simple. The Bible says in in Romans 10, 13, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All you got to do is say today, you just say, Jesus, come into my life. Because the Bible is real clear that you're not a Christian because your parents are a Christian. Just because you go to McDonald's doesn't make you a happy meal. You become a Christian because you say, come on in to my life. You have the door, the key to the door of your heart. You've got to open that up. He won't force himself in. When you do that, when you say, God, come into my life, he will begin to transform you one step at a time until you look more like him. So if you want to do that, just silently right there, just in your mind, say, Jesus, come on into my life. I open the door. I want to have this relationship with you. Some of you have been away from God. And we talked about this last week about having hunger for God. And part of